non-functional. 
have to really to destroy all of the old, destroy all of the new. And it takes quite a while to do that. Quite a while in our lifetime, and the way we judge the span of years, but really just part of the long-term business plan for those who devise it and carry it through, through the big institutions. Remember that the institutions go on intergenerationally with the same mandates. They hire, they retire, and hire again until they get their jobs done. Quite a simple process, really. You give all the money in the world to fund it with and all the people to hire to work at it. Back with more after these following messages. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix just trying to point out how the system works. It's not so difficult to understand, really, to say you have different tiers of reality coexisting all at the same time. And the one at the bottom is trained from birth and not to see the other ones above them. They're also trained that they're on the cutting edge. If you believe you're on the cutting edge and you know all there is to know about science and what inventions have been put out there, what they're working on now, you could actually 5,000 years ahead, and you'd, you'd really believe that you're in the age of microwaves and so on. And that's as far as you've got. And uh, you would never believe that they're so far, far ahead. It's quite easy to give you a fake reality. Because they make sure at the top, since they run the whole economy and the money system, which runs the corporations, which have runs the factories, which make all the produce, it's quite easy to make sure that you only get on the shelves what they've authorized you to buy. It's all antiquated equipment. We live really in a past, in the past, to be honest with you, and very few people really know it. Just watch when the next invention comes along and next gets more gadget or upgrade to the computer, and you'll see them all, all the companies, all the corporations who are supposed to be in fierce competition with each other come up with the same type of model at the same time. I've watched this all my life. And that's how things really are. The technology is dished out to these, these uh, big organizations, these corporations, at the same time by those who've already used it and probably discarded it after its use because they're so far ahead now at the top. They don't need it anymore. And by that method, you can always keep control when you have the really big toys at the top and all the big weaponry and all the rest of it. And yet, even though with all this technology that we see today, they're not happy, they want a completely controlled, monitored, predictable society with a population of the world that's down to a manageable level, manageable level with a purpose. You can't be born in the future if there's no purpose for you, and they'll decide if, if there is one. They'll also decide, going by your, your genetics and your your if you have a parent, in fact, or parents, or who knows, maybe a test tube in the future, uh, just like Brave New World, you'll decide if you have defective genes or your IQ isn't up to the par that they need, and you'll simply be terminated. Quite simple, because in economics, everything goes on efficiency. They don't have much of a human, they have no margin of human response or emotion involved in it. It's pure efficiency, almost like a hive of bees or a colony of ants. I've noticed too recently 
that the homeland security of our couple of articles, I won't read them tonight, but homeland security is now backing some big toy companies to put out uh, equipment or toy equipment which children will see going through airports and so on, like scanners and metal detectors and all of this kind of stuff, supposedly to get them used to it and, and see it as fun. Fun, fun, fun. And the ads these companies are putting out now with the products, that's how they push it. It'll be fun, fun, fun. As you scan each other and you grow up thinking it's all quite normal. I wonder if they'll give them these, these hand, these finger condoms for body cavity searches as well. It's just amazing how they can train us from a very early age. And the parents generally see nothing wrong with it because the parents themselves have been brainwashed, completely brainwashed before them, before the children. And they see no harm in anything, really. And if it keeps little Johnny quiet, they'll, they'll buy it for him and help indoctrinate him. Incredible what's happening. It truly is incredible. And looking back in history, even with all the, the, the battles they had with religions and different kinds of religions, often they'd stop the, the wars when it came to a common cause for their own survival. But you don't see any of that today. You don't, you don't see that at all. It's like people are quite content to watch every right, every ancestor fought for being taken away daily from them without so much as a hiccup. And that's the sad part of the, the reality we live in. And we read a little article here, and I think it's from year 2000, and I've read some of this man's articles before, Michael Chisadovsky, and it's from earthpulse.com, earthpulse.com. Uh, he's a professor of economics, University of Ottawa, author of The Globalization of Poverty, and I believe, as I say, this, this particular article came out in November 2000. It says, The important debate on global warming under UN auspices provides but a partial picture of climate change. In addition to the devastating impacts of greenhouse gas emissions and the ozone layer, the world's climate can now be modified as part of a new generation of sophisticated non-lethal weapons. Both the Americans and the Russians have developed capabilities to manipulate the world's climate. In the U.S., the technology is being perfected under the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program, that's the HARP, as part of the Star Wars Strategic Defense Initiative, SDI. Recent scientific evidence suggests that HARP is fully operational and has the ability of potentially triggering floods, droughts, hurricanes, and earthquakes. Now, you can find this too in the treaty that was signed, in, I think, in 78 by the United Nations on weather warfare. From a military standpoint, HARP is a weapon of mass destruction. Potentially, it constitutes an instrument of conquest capable of selectively destabilizing agricultural and ecological systems of entire regions. And when they say regions, they also mean countries and nations. While there is no evidence that this deadly technology has been used, there actually was back then. Surely the United Nations should be addressing the issue of environmental warfare alongside the debate on the climatic impacts of greenhouse gases. Despite a vast body of scientific knowledge, the issue of deliberate climatic manipulations for military use has never been explicitly part of the UN agenda on climate change. 
neither the official delegations nor the environmental action groups, I'm not surprised, participated in the Hague Conference on Climate Change November 2000, have raised the broad issue of weather warfare or environmental modification techniques as relevant to an understanding of climate change. No, they won't talk about it because they're all hand-picked. The clash between the official negotiators, environmentalists, and American business lobbies has centered on Washington's outright refusal to abide by commitments on carbon dioxide reduction targets under the 97 Kyoto Protocol 1. The impacts of military technologies on the world's climate are not an object of discussion or concern. It won't be, as I say, they're all hand-picked. Narrowly confined to greenhouse gases, the ongoing debate on climate change serves Washington's strategic and defensive objectives. It's on to say weather warfare. World-renowned scientist Dr. Rosalie Bertel confirms that U.S. military scientists are working on weather systems as a potential weapon. The methods include the enhancing of storms and the diverting of vapor rivers in the Earth's atmosphere to produce targeted droughts or floods. Already in the 1970s, former National Security Advisor Zygmunt Brzezinski had foreseen in his book Between Two Ages that technology will make available to the leaders of major nations techniques for conducting secret warfare, of which only a bare minimum of the security forces need be appraised. Techniques of weather modification could be employed to produce prolonged periods of drought or storm. Mark Filterman, a former French military officer, outlined several types of unconventional weapons using radio frequencies. He refers to weather war, indicating that the U.S. and the Soviet Union had already mastered the know-how needed to unleash sudden climate changes, hurricanes and drought in the early 1980s. These technologies make it possible to trigger atmospheric disturbances by using extremely low-frequency ELF radar waves. A simulation study of future defense scenarios commissioned for the U.S. Air Force calls for U.S. aerospace forces to own the weather by capitalizing on emerging technologies and focusing development of those technologies to warfighting applications from enhancing friendly operations or disrupting those of the enemy via small-scale tailoring of natural weather patterns to complete dominance of global communications and counter-space control Weather modification offers the warfighter a wide range of possible options to defeat or coerce an adversary. In the United States, weather modification will likely become a part of national security policy with both domestic and international applications. Our government will pursue such a policy depending on its interests at various levels. The High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program based in Gokoma, Alaska, jointly managed by the U.S. Air Force and the U.S. Navy, is part of a new generation of sophisticated weaponry under the U.S. Strategic Defense Initiative. Operated by the Air Force Research Laboratory Space Vehicles Directorate, HARP constitutes a system of powerful antennas capable of creating controlled local modifications of the ionosphere. Scientist Dr. Nicholas Biggage actively involved in the public campaign against HARP, described HARP, HARP as a super-powerful radio wave beaming technology that lifts areas of the ionosphere 
that's the upper layer of the atmosphere, by focusing a beam and heating those areas. Electromagnetic waves then bounce back onto Earth and penetrate everything living and dead. Dr. Rosalie Bertel depicts HARP as a gigantic heater that can cause major disruption in the ionosphere, creating not just holes, but long incisions in the protective layer that keeps deadly radiation from bombarding the planet. HARP has been presented to public opinion as a program of scientific and academic research. And it goes on and on and on to tell us just how, what, what it can do. But what it doesn't say too is it also affects the mood and the minds and the emotions of people. Very, very interesting when you go into what HARP alone, just by itself, can do. There's 54 of these worldwide. Back with more after these messages. Hi, I'm Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix, and a reading from a little article put out, I think in the year 2000, by a professor from Ottawa on weather modification and what they're not really telling you. Of course, they won't push this much on your 6 o'clock or or your 11 o'clock news. They want you to be oblivious to it. You want to think that global warming is just happening by chance. We're causing it, in fact. Because that is the agenda, is to blame us and have us believe it. It's very, very good. It will probably work. works with most people. And most propaganda is aimed at most people, like all weapons are. There's always a few individuals that don't react the usual way to any kind of weaponry. But this weather modification can also, remember, affect the moods. They've tested it out in different places. They tested it out in some places in the U.S., and they found that uh, it could cause depression on a vast scale. Suicide rates went up. They altered their frequency, and they found that people became aggressive, and even domesticated animals became aggressive too. They don't really care what they do. We're guinea pigs, you see. And now they're going to use it on a vast scale. And coupling it with the spraying in the skies that they're doing across the whole planet since about 98 continuously, then we can uh, pretty well tell they're using HARP in conjunction with the metallic particles, the very method that Mr. Uh, Teller talked about in the 50s, the inventor of the H-bomb, and it's being used upon the public of the world. That might explain part of the reason people are so quiet and laid back when they're going through such fast changes and watching the wolves set up barbed wire uh, in a sort of psychic sense uh, around them and having them tested and prodded and poked and ID'd for everything that they want. And they don't even object. They don't object when they ask for their ID in stores and all the rest of it. When they purchase things, they just go ahead and do it like good trained animals. Rather sad, isn't it? Now, we're going to go to the phone. So I try Antonio in Maryland. Hello, Antonio. Yes, hello, Alan. How are you today? Not so bad. Go ahead. Um, I was just calling to talk with you. Um concerning some things you've talked about lately and just here recently uh, today. Um, you are always mentioning that, um, you know, people are always learning but never knowing. Mm-hmm. And um, there are those of, I would say there are those of us who, who do know, who must realize that, um, you know, there's certain actions you must take, you know, in order to try and change things. You, know, you, you cannot um, sit and wait and, and hope and believe that um, a certain amount of 
our society is just going to wake up and see what's going on around them. Um, yeah. Even if they did realize what was going on around them, I doubt if they were act anyway. Um, you're, you're quite right. People, it's no different than a school uh, in a fight at school. You, you watch that uh, people will crowd around someone who takes on the bully. They themselves won't take them on, but they'll cheer someone on. However, if, if the bully wins, they'll also cheer on the, the bully. They won't be friends with them. Uh, that's a sad fact about human nature. They go with the winner because that's a new boss. Or it could be the old boss who's won again. And they're, they're basically cowardly. And I think something's happened to them as well. I think they've been so domesticated through scientific techniques, not just indoctrination, probably inoculations too, uh, never mind all the massive propaganda through their daily dose of television and radio, uh, that they simply are not quite up to par, according to, if you, if you compare them to people from even 100 years ago, uh, people from 100 years ago, 200 years ago, would stand up rather quickly if someone came along and said, you cannot grow this food here to feed yourself, or you can't travel here or there without my permission. Uh, these were causes for wars in previous time because they knew what enslavement was. They knew the procedure, the simple procedure of enslavement, and it always came under guises of protecting the people, even as far back as ancient Rome. So you're, you're quite right. Um, there are the few that understand, and it's not for everyone to understand. A lot of people cannot handle the bad news. They really can't handle the bad news. There are some pretty fragile minds out there, and they'll go to pieces and, and never get out of it. That is true. They were actually, a lot of them will truly refuse to actually hear what you're saying. <laughs> yes. They, they, they'll just shut down. Yeah. Um, and also, um, you're also correct, and another thing is, um, I know that you're a Canadian, and, well, you live in Canada. Um, people here in the United States also must realize that um, another thing that you have said that is true is that um, it will, if anything is changed, it will take the people here in the United States to make the change that's Yes, that's, that's going to be needed here in the world. There's no doubt. The U.S. is the engine for commerce, too. It's the engine for this whole new world order. And, and oddly enough, it still has uh, quite a lot of people in the U.S. scattered across, often in rural areas and in different places, who are aware. And they still have a memory, at least, of what freedom is supposed to be. And it's the only country that has that. It's the only country that's ever had that. So any change will come from the states. Yes, I do have two quick more things, if I can. Uh, the other one is is that there is an effort, and people must realize this also. You mention this also on yourself um, all the time, that they are putting in place mechanisms as far as, do you want me to hold out here the music? Sure, yeah, hold over, and we'll come back to that after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hello, I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix, and we still have Antonio from Maryland on the line. Are you there? 
Yes, I am, Alan. Yeah, go ahead. You're going to make some points, sir. Yeah. Yes, I was, was going to mention that there are a lot of, um, pertaining to technology, there are a lot of mechanisms being put in place um, as far as what they're releasing to the public as far as new computers, um, DVD, I'm not sorry, DVD players, digital TVs and everything. People do not realize what these um, actual units can do. Um, you know, actually, they can be made to work just like you say, um, Harp is used. Um, they, um, the combining of the technologies enable the technologies to work together as far as the new um, iPhone and you know devices such as that. People think of it as a convenience, but they don't realize that, um, as I said, there's a convergence of technologies as far as um, what's been put in place out in the public world and what you're using inside your your, your private homes and, and wherever you live. Uh, you're quite right, and also some of these uh, technologies can actually uh, communicate with each other, uh, with certain circuitry within that TV or within that cell phone and so on, and you're being monitored in everything that you do and everywhere you go inside your home, and every conversation can be monitored, so you're quite right. Uh, uh, they don't give us these toys just because they want us to be happy. Uh, on the contrary, they make, we get addicted to these toys until we can't do without them, and, and of course, uh, the toy, especially the cell phone, it's all be admitted to. You're tracked wherever you go, and they can listen in even when it's switched off. Yes, exactly. And the last thing I just wanted to make a point to, especially um, the people here in America, um, freedom, liberty, and peace, and justice are not things that we have to ask for. That's right. Uh, those are things that if you want to keep them, you've got to fight for them. Yeah, and that's how they were gained in the first place. And they must, they must realize that it's not going to be handed to you. And um, as an ex-member of the military, uh, for anyone else who may be in the military or have been in the military, you must remember who you serve, and that is your, your people and your country. You do not serve the ruling elite. Yeah, that's true. And, and that's, all, that's all I have to say for tonight, Alan. Well, and I appreciate all, all, all the things you've done and all the people you've brought in yeah. to listen to your show. Thanks for calling. And it's true, I said on one of the shows last week, I said that uh, every individual has as much right to live on this planet the way they want to live without harming others as Igneo Brzezinski or a Rockefeller or a Rothschild or anybody else or the king and queen. It makes no difference. They have no more right to live and dictate to us than we have to dictate to them. And, and that's the reality of it. We have it all warped simply through conditioning and every child... Uh, takes for granted the system he's born into. If his parents can't warn him or tell him what it's all about, he or she won't think either. They'll think it's all quite natural, and they'll bow their heads to the right people as well. That's how simple it is. But uh, freedoms are easily taken away under the guise of security. Look at the histories of ancient Rome. You see it happening time after time after time, and it's simply been copied again today. Now we'll go back and try uh, Keith from Florida. Are you still there, Keith? you on the line? Yeah, hey, Alan. Hello? Hey, Alan, can you hear me? Is Keith there? Alan, can you hear me? No. Okay, Hello? we'll try. Uh, well, Ken, there's uh, Ken in Massachusetts. Are you there? Well, that's weird. The other guy's trying to get me on. Hello? Uh, very faint. Alan, can you hear me? That's better, yeah. Can you hear me now? Sure, I can hear you now. Oh, okay. Hey, Alan, uh, I want to ask you a question about the uh, John Birch Society. Uh, Robert Welch, who founded it, and uh, uh, not too long ago, I, I uh, 
got a video off of uh, off of Jeff Renz's site. Um, Lawrence McDonald, who took over, I guess, in '83 for uh, Mr. Welch, and uh, it was a really interesting film with him and uh, Pat Buchanan. And I mean, he just—I mean, he laid out so much of the agenda that you talk about now. And the Berkshires seem to be right on, but there's there's just something that just doesn't seem to be right about the Birch Society. And you know, I've got uh, Lawrence McDonald's, Pat McDonald, actually, Lawrence Pat McDonald. I have him right in front of me on Wikipedia, and, you know, he's related to Patton, and it just seems like, I mean, can you sort that out for me? I mean, uh, do you have anything to say about the, uh, the Birch Society and uh, what they're really about? Is it more enigma inside the riddle or what? I'm sure it is. Uh, the problem is that we're always given the leadership, especially foundations, institutions, that are well funded and they get lots of uh, information out to the public through different means and regular media too. Uh, so we have to be so careful. They give us the leaders who simply tell us the truth. That they, they'll actually tell us, like politicians do, uh, what we want to hear, things that we've been thinking about ourselves, things we've noticed ourselves, and they fill in a lot of blank spots for you. But they often go off in odd directions rather than keep on the right trail and do the right things. And I know a lot of people got disillusioned with the Birch Society through some of their big fundraising campaigns that were going to sort of blacklist the UN many years ago. And uh, apart from a few billboards that went up, nothing much was done with that money as far as the, the people who subscribed um, claim. So I, I really can't tell you, except I'm always suspicious of the ones uh, that, that are come out in the forefront, especially by the rich. Yeah, sure. You see, the rich themselves have too much in stake. How can you fight something when you yourself hope to escape through the system by having as much money and wealth as possible? Exactly. I mean, it's just like, you know, it's like uh, these little factions of elites vying for power. But it's really interesting that Lawrence McDonald, in 1983, four months after that tape was shot on Crossfire, he was shot down in Air Flight 007 over the Soviet Union. And Welch had been a big McCarthy, uh, Joseph McCarthy uh, supporter, you know, in that whole witch hunt, witch trial that they conducted, I guess, in the 50s. And, you know, it's just the, the whole idea of, uh, I mean, the, the, you know, it's just, it's just very interesting. A friend of mine, um, his mother has just uh, received some literature from, I think it's called The New American, one of their recent publications. You know, and much of what they say is very in line with the patriotic network, with, you know the, the the Ron Paul slogans and 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 much of what we understand to be the new world order, but there's just something, you know, just something something strange about you know some of the players in that. You know. the, the players, and it's also the fact that they don't go far enough. Yeah, they, they never go far enough. They'll they'll point out certain sects or factions in society. They'll point the finger, but they won't give you the overall picture and how they're all interconnected, including themselves. And how would you expect someone, as I say, these guys are pretty wealthy characters. Sure. Uh, they've made their, their money and their pensions off the public, the public purse generally in politics and so on. And uh, they're up amongst the, the elite themselves. They want to come through into the next phase with their families and their, and their children uh, to take over. Uh, they don't want to go down with the ship. And I think that's part of the reason that they don't go the whole way and tell the public what's the horror show. That's the yeah. horror show that's happening and coming yeah. up. Yeah, and just, I mean, uh, you know, I guess since uh, 
I only started going online after uh, September 11th. A friend of mine turned me on to uh, some of these quote-unquote conspiracy sites, and one of the first ones I started to uh, frequent was the Jeff Wren site. And, you know, over the recent months, and especially after having listened to you, I've sort of soured to the the Jeff Wren's uh, website because I I feel like I'm sort of even being steered in a certain direction there. I, I feel that there's a lot of emphasis on, like, uh, Zionist elite flying UFOs from outer space or something, you know, it's sort of, uh, it, it's, it's just, it always has this, there's something about it. And a lot of the writers, I think, are very amateurist, and uh, they, 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 they scare me a little bit. I mean, some of the writers that he has on his site, you know, trying to uh, vet uh, some well, of the I want to made. tell you, to be honest with you, is uh, Counterintelligence, I'm not saying that he is one of them, but right. counterintelligence does work by taking sure. the facts that are being discussed in, in the street even, or in bars, or in restaurants and cafes, or in homes. That's how they gather intelligence. Then they counter it by putting out people who will discuss the same kind of topics, and naturally you'll tune in to hear them because they're on your wavelength. And then they do add all this stuff onto it with the UFOs and all the rest of it, and that tends to discredit the actual truth itself. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. David Icke has got the reptilians. Uh, Renz has got the UFOs. And uh, uh, what's his name down in Texas? He's uh, Alex Jones, which I, I, I mean, I really do. I, lo- I mean, Alex Jones, I mean, he really gets me motivated and pumped up. But, you know, I, I remind myself that this guy is also a, a diehard Christian. And, you know, he's complaining about, you know, human sacrifice at Bohemian Grove. Well, you know. All you have to do is look at a crucifix to uh, be reminded of stuff like that. Well, the problem is, as I say, it's the... You have to remember, too, that all... I keep saying this, I'm not the best guy to promote myself when it comes to this, because the Patriot business is a business. Yeah, yeah. It's big business, and uh, and people have been brought up with 50 years of sci-fi and all the rest of it. Sure. Very good sci-fi, too, and predictive programming. But I, I can tell you this, that one of the major guys that does a lot of videos for some of the top people mm. is connected with people in London. Oh, I wouldn't. I, I, and I wouldn't he phoned me up uh, and talked for two hours. He said he was going to come and do a video on me. And at the very end of it, he said, well, you go along with the alien agenda and a few other things which you just mentioned. And I said, no, I won't fool the people. And that was the last I heard from him. But he does all the big videos for all the major international players. Well, it's to your credit, Alan. It's really to your credit. But I'll say this, and I think you'd agree with me. And I think that all, because we have to stay really sharp right now. I mean, these are really, um, I mean, these are real, I mean, we're hitting critical mass here. And, uh, I mean, even with what you say, I mean, when when you make a claim or you you make a statement, I do my best to, uh, to research and vet what you say. And I tell you what, I mean, um, I, I haven't I haven't found any um, any issues with with the information that you're giving, and it's been very consistent, and I really appreciate it. And uh, but and, and I'm I'm not saying that these guys are. I understand they got to make money too. You know, they're they have to sell the radio show, and they have to sell their films, and they have to pay their mortgages and their and their rent. But uh, it's it's confusing. It's really confusing. Yeah, it is. I know, and I, I think. Uh, um, some of them are intentionally, um, especially on, on, uh, across the pond, 
Yeah. Uh, Britain, Britain's been, been very good at that. I don't know if you saw the movie called The Good Shepherd about the start of the CIA and how they went over no, to I Britain. Haven't. And they were taught the black arts of propaganda and counterintelligence. It's worth seeing for that alone. Wow. But uh, Britain is the, is the premier, is, is, the par, is par excellence as far as propaganda and counterintelligence goes, how you mix fact with fiction and totally confuse or defuse the fact. And it's poured, the, baby, the baby goes out with the bathwater. Yeah. And, and that's how it works. Very simple. Yeah. But thanks for calling. Thanks. Thank you, Alan. Have a good night. Bye now. I've got Megan from Pennsylvania. Are you there? Hello, Megan. Okay, I, I want, you were talking about the weather before, and what do you think their purpose is of drying up Lake Mead? That's where the Hoover Dam is built, and they supply water to um, Las Vegas and Southern California, including Los Angeles. Yes, I, I think you just answered the question. <laughs> oh, yeah, but why would they want to do that? Why would well, they... Lee said uh, back in the 60s, uh, when they drew out plans for the future world they wanted to bring out, and some of them did come from the United Nations and other agencies associated with them, that they would want a world where the people were moved from all coastal areas uh, far inland. Because, again, they were talking about eventually getting habitat areas. Uh, there'd be no more urban sprawl. You'd all be crammed together. But definitely they wanted vast areas around every coastline free and clear. And I guess that includes, includes uh, California, uh, the Los Angeles area and so on. Okay. Thanks, Alan. Good night. Thanks for calling. Yeah, there's always, uh, there's always, these characters literally make plans so far advance, advance, and they carry them out. They carry them out because they, it might take two, three generations of bureaucrats or employees and foundations, but they can pull it off. And that's why they can pull it off. They have all the time in the world, and they stick to it. We are short-term planners. We are lucky to, to plan next year or two years down the road. These guys go to work knowing what their, their agenda is and their job is for their entire lives. And as they retire, some new recruit is in, comes in and gets retrained and carries on with the same agenda. It's been like that for a long time. And that's for the stuff that Weishaupt and others and, and even Albert Pike were talking about. Um, they would create foundations which would be incredibly wealthy and they would, they would basically create what we now call non-governmental organizations. Thousands of them, actually a thousand main ones, that's the thousand points of light that George Bush Sr. was referring to high Masonic terms they used. Benjamin Franklin used the same term in his own memoirs, his own diaries. If you read his, his letters, he called himself a point of light. These are the ones that changed the world and the destiny of the world. Old, old stuff still going on, and it doesn't change. Now, there's Ken in Massachusetts. Are you there, Ken? Hello. Hello. Hello, Alan. Yes. Yes, uh, I spoke to you back in uh, September, had a little chat with you about uh, spring and um, also amateur astronomy. Did you get to see the, uh, the eclipse a few nights yes, ago? Yes, I did. I did, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, we had a pretty good view of it here. Yeah. Um, something that I've been kind of pondering as, as I've been listening to your broadcasts and, uh, yeah, some of your callers touched on some similar issues as far as uh, technology that's been withheld. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with Moore's Law? Moore's Law. Can I refresh uh, you on that? I, I learned about that when uh, back in the 80s, and someone by the name of Moore, it's not a physical law, but it's just more of an observation, and it's that uh, processor, computer processors and storage capability mm -hmm. has been uh, doubling at a given cost level 
every 18 months for the past 50 years. Yes, and and in fact, it's now they say it's every, every, every one or two months. Yeah. Right, uh, but I'm wondering if that's if um, if technology is uh, if there's sort of an uh, elite technology. Yes, there is. Being, yeah, and if is that part of? Um, it, it, it seems to like introduce. Uh, it, 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 I think the ramifications of introducing technology on a predictable basis like that it sort of make sort of commoditizes technology. It does, and it's, again, it's planned that way. We know that the CIA, from equipment demonstrated on the CBC TV by Nick Babbage mm-hmm. himself, that somehow mm-hmm. the CIA had dumped in his lap, uh, obviously had to have worked on microcircuitry. And, and uh, this was before we even had we, – we still had tubes and television in, in those days. Yeah. We didn't even have the transistor radio in those days. And yet these guys were already for 50 years ahead, you know. So, so yeah, the, 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 um, and that's what we know. How long did they have that? Even then, we don't know. That's a good point. I've even, I've even noticed over uh, the course of the years, it's like when they're, they'll describe like a um, uh, being, you know, someone who uses computers regularly, uh, they will describe a certain barrier in technology. Yes. Where they're not going to be able to get a chip. I mean, it's like there's a limitation, but it almost seems like with clockwork, for whatever reason, it's like when that barrier comes by, they uh, are able to uh, surmount it. I know, I know. We're we're just led along by the nose. (laughs) Back with more after these messages. Hi, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. I think we should try and jump to the next caller. There's quite a few here. We won't get to them all. But uh, there's Jim from New York there. Are you there, Jim? Hello, Jim. Hi, Alan. Yes, go ahead. Hi. Uh, To go back to the harp for a minute, if you don't mind, uh, you've mentioned a couple different times that there's 54 different harps. Uh, arrays? Is that what you're talking about? Or are they maybe older systems that were, have been retrofitted to work with They're the probably as old as the harp themselves, uh, the one in Alaska. I mean, we know that the Russians uh, had them in the 70s, and they had them in the Baltic regions of Latvia. In fact, they had them at Riga. And right. uh, that was the first one that was noticed by all the ham radio characters who picked it up because it was blocking out lots of signals. And we know that China's got them. We know that there's one in Iceland also used by the U- owned by the U.S. And, uh, and there's other ones across the world, yeah. And there's even portable ones, too. Okay. There's portable ones, field ones, yeah. So they wouldn't necessarily have to be the whole array that, uh, you know, right. we know in Alaska. Okay. Yeah. And it's it also in the British newspapers after Gulf War One that they used it in, in the Gulf War. And uh, when you saw those thousands of uh, soldiers coming up very dazed, and giving themselves up just like sheep. Uh, and even afterwards, the, even the, the American uh, troops were saying that they were so incredibly dazed. They didn't have uh, shell shock. They hadn't been pounded or anything. And uh, it was put down to the fact that they'd been using harp technologies. And some of the people, they were having uh, hallucinations. Uh, some of them claimed that they saw a river flowing backwards. Uh, so that all these uh, uh, kind of strange hallucinations, which you can get from, from certain doses of frequencies of harp. 
Are you familiar at all with the, uh, well, you know, the Philadelphia project, which was the... Uh, I know about it, but I think, too, it was pumped out of, of proportions through movies. Okay, so that was just basically, you know, a form of propaganda or, you know, a predictive programming? Yes, uh, yeah. I've no doubt eventually um, techniques can be used where they can literally merge your molecules with any kind of material, including metal. But, uh, I mean, movies are movies, and... Um, and that was, uh, they'd never tell you what they really had in a movie and what they really were capable of doing, you know. Yeah. Do you think that any of the HARP technology could have been built off of some of the work from Tesla, or are they completely different in your opinion? Uh, Tesla was only one man who was testing out the same theories. Uh, you find even in the high Masonic groups, uh, they, they were testing out, they were, they were really obsessed with electricity and the power it could have on the, on the weather. Um, and in the early days, too, they were putting up kites like Franklin and others, many others, uh, were putting up kites to, with metal wires to try and, and bring down to earth uh, uh, lightning, you know. And uh, some of them were killed by these experiments. So they were obsessed from the beginning for using electricity for, for various powerful weaponry-type means. You know? Right. Okay. Thanks for your time, Alan. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. And we've got Thomas from Arizona. Are you there, Thomas? Yes, hello, Alan. Hello, go ahead. I know we've only got a couple minutes. So I'll just uh -huh. go on. Hey, I was actually going to kind of talk about the, uh, the scalar technologies as opposed to HARP. Mm -hmm. And do they coincide? Because, see, HARP seems to be, through my research, just seems obsolete. When well, it, it's not so obsolete. Um, the scalars really interface with it. They're all these different frequencies of the same type of technology. All radio waves are. Right. Uh, just different We're, levels yeah. of uh, frequencies. Well, and whereas the scalar technology is more of a quantum weapon. It, it could very well be. Or, yeah. yeah. But and it I can, can hear be the... used in unison or, or, or partially together, you know. Okay. Well, hey, uh, okay. music's coming on. I'll, I'll talk to you again. All right, thanks. From Hamish, myself, and Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.